Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Hope everybody out there had an outstanding holiday weekend, be it Passover, be it Easter, whatever you might celebrate. I was in the lucky position to be celebratory of both those quality uh, holidays. Thank you very much. We hope you had an outstanding weekend, sports and or otherwise plenty. Plenty of sports action to talk about. Are you kidding me? All kinds of stuff going on, including baseball heating up in its first official big weekend. A great Masters tournament as advertised. It lived up to its expectations. Got some NBA basketball to talk about, and I no longer, I no longer am on the fire Dale Swaim bandwagon. You'd be happy to know after one game. Uh, I'm a little bit off that night. You know, at least for a couple of games, I think I'll get the manager of the Chicago Cup. Brand new manager. Who, by the way, won his first Major League Baseball game ever. As did Robin Yelton on the other side of town. We're going to give him the uh, BOD the benefit of the doubt. TalkZone.com. Two guys and a mic. Big dog and a coach. A little bit of music and then I will introduce my semi. And I'm using that term very loosely. Semi-esteemed guest, Mr. Joe Redwanski. Let me introduce him, a man we always, almost always, I should say, give the benefit of the doubt to. It's the big dog, Joel Redwanski, after a great Easter and Passover weekend and a great sports weekend. Joel, how are you, and how's your benefit of the doubt? Uh, My benefit of the doubt's doing all right, but uh, it's it's sad to hear that Robin Ventura has been replaced as manager of the Chicago White Sox. But, hey, Robin Yount, I mean, he has no manager. Did I say Robin Yount? But, you know, uh, I got my Robins one mixed of the up. Great brewers of all time, I would love to steal a, a brewer away, even if it is up for the Southside team. I love it. All right, I'll give you five seconds. Third, good things coming. Three, great Robin, old time pitcher. Robin Roberts. Robin Roberts. You know, Robin Roberts was the all time leader in most home runs given up in baseball history. Do you know who's a current leader? And this Ooh. is also another one of those George Will questions. But uh-huh. who is the current? leader, most home runs given up all time. He's an active pitcher coach. And already this season, uh-huh. his lead has been added on to. Well, the obvious answer is just on longevity alone is Jamie Moyer. You got it. Bing, 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 yeah. bing, bing, bing. Yeah. Which, which I wouldn't have guessed outside of the fact <laughs> 49 years old, he's probably, you know, thrown twice as many games as most of the pitchers in Major League Baseball. Probably thrown five times as many. I do believe the number now has reached 511, I think it is, or was 511 when the home run was hit. But it's it's right in that area, so that's a lot of home runs. I I remember hearing something one time, and it was about Robin Roberts. So I guess I don't know if this goes with Jamie Moyer, because we can't call him great. We could just call him very good for a long time. Yep. But basically about Robin Roberts, because he lost a lot of games on those horrible Philly teams, Coach. Mm Mm-hmm. Said uh, you had to be a real great pitcher. To Played a little that bit race. for the uh, Baltimore Orioles as well. What a great way to start off the program, talking totally about famous ro- famous Robins in baseball for thirty. Yeah, you, you totally missed my quote. He said you have to, you'd have to be a real great pitcher to lose that many games. Yes, yeah, that's that. Uh, that's you know, there's a little bit of humor in that, but that's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. 
That's absolutely true. Who was the Detroit Tigers pitcher who lost, uh, and he turned out to be a pretty good pitcher? Was it Mike Maroth? Uh, well, you know what? Maroth lost 20 games in, like, 98. Right. He ended up being decent, but I'm trying to uh, – was it Jeremy Bonnerman who lost the 20 games? And uh, I, I'm pretty sure Bonnerman lost 20. He ended up having a pretty decent career mm-hmm. considering he was a 20-loss guy. That 98 team had more than one 20-loss pitcher on it. Which yeah, is, one of the worst teams in the history of baseball, but the point is sometimes in order to 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 lose that many games, you actually have to be somewhat decent, otherwise they would have yanked you, set you down to triple A or whatever the case may be. Yeah, absolutely. Like a Fergie Jenkins, you always talk about it. Yep. <laughs> How many games yeah. he lost? Yeah. Seven years in a row, I won 20 games, seven times, 20 game winner, put him in the Hall of Fame, lost 17 games for most of those years. People forget about that. I would I would bet you Fergie Jenkins never lost 17 games more than one time in his career. Okay, but 16 a couple. I, I remember I some 16 say, I losses. I would put 16 on that number. Yes. I would, seriously, Coach, he was usually like 20 and like mm-hmm. 12, which is pretty okay. good. I'll take a 20 and 12 starting pitcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got, we're starting with baseball. We got lots to get to today, big dog. Busy, busy track. We got to walk down that road fairly briskly today. We'll lead it off with baseball since that seems to be the way we have, uh, early on conversed. Want to get to the Chicago Bulls in a phenomenal game with the New York Knicks and my continued, uh, displeasure with the way the Bulls play last second shots offensively and a little firing on Derrick Rose a la Michael Jordan when he came back after three years. I'll get to that later in the show. And we have to talk about a phenomenal golf tournament. All kinds of things happening in the Masters. Great stories, great hits, uh, a few classic blunders, but just another terrific day at Augusta. So lots going on there, Big Dog. Real quick, though, before we get to the baseball, uh, I would be remiss if I did not ask how you and yours, and please keep your hands off mine, uh, your uh, Easter holiday was. Anything exciting? Hopefully a nice time with the family, friends, and what other people you could? What other people you could drag up? Uh, like always, it was uh, like re- like recent. It's been at my brother's girlfriend Lisa's house. It's always such a good time. She's Italian, so she can cook unbelievable. And uh, she's always running, 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 getting food. She was able to sit down for this particular meal. It was pretty good. So mm-hmm. I had the ham and uh, nice. Uh, luckily, there was other people that got the ham first. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been. No, actually, this thing was massive. <laughs> so, I, I bet you, legitimately, I ate a pound of meat. Wow. And I got to tell you, I've been eating absolutely perfect as of recently. Mm-hmm. I did yesterday. Everything that you're supposed to not do, yep. like binge eat in one meal. I didn't have a very big breakfast. My metabolism was down. And then sit down and let get a get a sit-down comatose after the meal, and then start eating your mom's famous cheesecake. <laughs> and then there's a, a massive jar of jelly beans, and it's those cool, hip, new jelly beans that have, like, the hundred different varieties on them, and there's a picture of it. Mm-hmm. So next thing you know, I put my hand in, and I have to try to figure out every single freaking variety while I'm doing it. Uh, that that The idea of that jelly bean container... I don't know how much it took them to print up that piece of paper to put on the side with all the different pictures of all the hundred jelly beans and their flavors. Mm-hmm. But we went through that. Okay, the eight adults, each of us had at least fifty jelly beans yesterday. Yeah. You know what? I mean? We went and had one jelly bean. Okay, all of a sudden, you know what? That, that jar was just and it was about halfway done. And keep and in mind that was after a approximately a pound of ham and 
A little bit of cheesecake. So you, a man who lives healthily, oh, no, you... No, a lot of cheesecake. A lot, a lot of my cheesecake. Mom, you know, everybody talks about, my, I make the best chili. My, my mom makes the best cheesecake on the planet. It's, it's, everybody who tastes it is just like, this is ridiculous how good it is. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's the best. I am a huge cheesecake fan, but I try almost at all costs to stay away from it. Well, you, you do not want to go near my mom's okay. because my mom's is definitely... Higher in fat, higher in cholesterol, yeah, yeah. higher in kick your butt on the couch. <laughs> That's what my mom's cheesecake does. Okay. Oh, I'm thinking of a good pumpkin cheesecake right now as a nice uh, graham uh, cracker crust. Well, Awfully my mom's graham, my grand, mom's home graham cracker crust is unbelievable. My oh. mom has plain cheesecake. She doesn't have to put anything on it. Everybody, there's always these condiments. Oh, the, the strawberries, the chocolate, all that. Nobody ever puts it on after they eat it. So they forget yep. I'm going to eat this stuff. Yep. So... Uh, and you say pumpkin cheesecake around my house, they'd be like, no, it's, it's just plain. <laughs> By any chance, did you uh, venture into the Apostles and do a little church time yesterday? By any chance? You know what? Uh, I, you know, I, I have been known to be drawn into church, but I really, I, I got a real nice girl now, and so mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to church anymore. There's only one reason to go, and that's that. So, but I was invited. I would have been invited by Lily. And her mom brought it up like, oh, have Joel code, basically, jingle, uh, I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. But it's like during a whole month, and I, I don't know if it's the whole month of April, but it's definitely during April. It might be like March to April. Mm-hmm. But uh, Chinese families go to the cemetery and have a picnic. Okay, coach? And it could be any day of the month. I guess it's, that's the best way, because in China, if it was all on one day, can you imagine 1.2 billion? what are we, uh, backtrack a second, what are we celebrating at this point? That's what I'm saying. It's, uh, it's, they go to the cemetery for a picnic, and they uh, pay tribute to their relatives. But what, what okay, do. so this is nothing to do with Easter. This is a different... No, nothing to do with Easter, but it just happens to be a, a like a sacred ceremony okay. for the Chinese that I didn't know of, you know, and I was like, oh, I had no idea. I've never dated a Chinese girl before. Mm-hmm. So... I'm learning all this stuff. And her mom was like, oh, why didn't Joel come? And I was like, I would have loved to have done this. They brought whole animals, Coach, cooked. <laughs> okay? They, uh, you know, yeah. Lily's dad owns, a, they, he owns yeah. a restaurant, and the man can flat-out cook. The pig, I sh- I'm going to put, I'll post a picture on, on Facebook. There was a whole pig in a pot that they're <laughs> carrying around the cemetery. And finally, when they got to the... <laughs> The most recent person who has passed away, uh-huh. they ripped that thing open. Supposedly, I wish I had this on video, but Lily's dad just took out the, the butcher knife and just started hacking away at the, <laughs> at the pig, and, and hands were just flying in because they were hungry. They had walked around the cemetery to like eight different plots, uh-huh. you know, carrying around all this food. Uh, that's a, without that's... a doubt, that's a celebration or respect or whatever, however you're supposed to do it. I'll make sure I know how to do it before I go. I'm going next year. That's a hell of a tradition. I've never heard that, but I I may try to start that up with my family. You know, a little fried chicken and potato salad, spread out the blanket and have dinner, uh, have a little picnic dinner right on top of uh, my great-grandfather. It's an interesting thought. I'll I'll get all the the other things. Huh? That sounds like a good time. I'll go, Coach. Oh, you're going to come too, huh? Well, that's it's supposedly it doesn't have to be just family, and it's, I figure you're going to probably do it a little differently, uh, you know, with your brother. And so I'll finally maybe get to eat the good, yeah. fish. Mm-hmm. No, I don't know. We'll bring the frisbee around. The kids could toss the frisbee around the funeral place. You know, maybe we'll do a little Easter egg hunt. We'll hide one at East Gravesite. It'll be a possibly the start of a new tradition, Big Duck. 
I would love to talk gravesite with you, but uh, there was a lot to talk about in terms of sports around the world. Do, you, wow. do, do you want me to do hey. I go back into the greatest golf shot that I, I think I've ever seen live since the Larry Mai shot? Because I didn't see the lefty, the Phil Mickelson shot. I know. We one. could start off with the Masters because I did, uh, in my true tradition, tape the uh, back more than the back nine. I watched about the back 12. But the shot you're talking about, the shot that won it for uh, Bubba Watson, incredible shot. Uh, see if you're with me here, but I don't think the TV analysts, at least I didn't watch the post-post coverage, but they didn't do a good enough job of explaining how the hell that shot actually happened. We, we saw it at different angles, but I couldn't tell. I knew it was a you phenomenal know, shot, but I couldn't quite tell what happened. I, but, I, 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 you, I, you're going to have to explain that one to me because I, I don't know what they said. Because everybody in my family was explaining it to each other. We couldn't believe how we did it. Mm-hmm. We're like, you made the thing take a right-hand turn. Sports Center has later said that the trajectory from the original angle went 40 yards to the right, Coach. He made the shot take a right-hand turn mm-hmm. of 40 yards. And supposedly that's one of his... And still, and still went right. Yeah, and he had mishit the drive, so he was, uh, you know, way away into the wooded area, but he had a nice little line of trees on either side, so he did have open vision, but that open vision was nowhere near the green. Basically, I thought he was going to punch it out, you know, uh-huh. kind of give up a stroke like the rest of us would, but he not only punched it out like you said, and I guess he's one of the better hook guys in golf. He says that's one of the strengths of his game. He's able to curve it. He's a left-hander, but so if, if he was a right-hander, Big Dog, he would not I've been able to pull off that shot, correct? No, yeah, because that would have been a slice, and that would not have been his angle for him. Yep. Like, if he would have put it into the – put it this way, the best way we can describe it, people, is he hooked it way into the woods, and the only way he could get it onto He's the done. green <laughs> is if he hooked it even more dramatically to get it out of the woods. Is, uh-huh. I mean, is there another way to explain it besides that? That was an amazing, so. amazing shot. He wins it in second-hole playoff overtime against Luis Ustaisen, uh, great drama all along. You had Phil Mickelson in there. You had Padre Herring. There's about five, six, maybe seven guys. Ian Poulter made a run at it. Uh, down the stretch, big dog, back nine at the Masters. Always great stuff. And to me, uh, it seemed like in previous years, they looked, the golfers looked like they were feeling the pressure more. You know, they, they caught up in the moment and guys would completely show. This year, the five or six guys that were in contention, you didn't get the feeling that they felt the pressure that you know the, the caught up in the moment, like Rory McIlroy last year, like so many guys we've seen in so many majors in the past. This year, there was pressure. Yes, they were very serious, but um, businesslike, very focused, and they didn't get caught up in the pressure. Really, nobody fell apart. No, no, you're absolutely right, and that's what we've had some great finishes and some. Uh in some major tournaments over the last, like, four or five, and it always seems like it's a bunch of people missing shots. Besides on 18, where two very, very tough putts were missed, every other shot it seemed like those guys made. I mean, it was that was good golf, Coach. They really played excellent golf all the way down. It, it, it wasn't like who was going to be left standing. It was like who was going to, like, reach to the top. It was mm-hmm. that's the best way to that's one of the best finishes of a golf tournament that you can watch. No so question about it. Somebody collapsed, and, and it's really somebody loses a tournament as opposed to Bubba Watson won the Masters in 2012. No question. 
888-463-6748. We got any fans out there of the golf, uh, genre? Want to talk about the Masters yesterday? Genre, whatever it might be. 888-463-6748. Phenomenal Masters. And again, uh, Bubba Watson winning. I didn't know a whole lot about Bubba Watson. I've seen his name up there. I'm not sure I could have described Bubba Watson before the tournament, but the more you watched him play and you heard a little bit about his background, good guy, absolutely a good guy, and big dog, the emotion at the end of it. I mean, it's always emotional when a Masters guy wins it, but he was so serious, so stone-faced the whole time when he hit the little six-inch putt, which he did line up, by the way. He didn't want to blow that one. Um you know, the hugging of the caddy, the mom came out. I think at, at home was his wife, and their just recently adopted baby boy. But he let it all out. He was just bawling like a, uh, you know, like, like a little baby. And it was just tremendous emotion. Same thing when they gave him the green jacket. I thought it was very cool to see that human emotion come out. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, that guy, is, it's a nice guy. It really does seem genuine. Yeah. And I, I was getting a little choked up watching him. I got a lot choked up. It, it's, I'm, I'm really happy with the guy. And my brother was ecstatic because he bet money on the guy beforehand. Mm-hmm. Picked him to win the tournament. And the whole time, well, this guy's going to win. This guy's going to win. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then, you know, four days later, the guy wins the, ends up winning the Masters. Uh, my brother's got a horse up his butt coach. He, he was winning horse races while the Masters were going on. I don't know how, how it happened. Like <laughs> yeah, I, w- I watched a little horse racing over the weekend, too. The sickle that I am, Big Dog, actually taped the Illinois Derby. Florida Derby, not Florida Derby, Santa Anita Derby in the Wood Memorial. Some of the preludes to the Wood Memorial, and he had a tip on the Wood Memorial. (laughs) Well, maybe the two of us should get together and maybe you know go away for like two weeks and see if we can cure that sickness. No, no, the Wood Memorial. Is that in New York, right? Where is it at? Yeah, New York. Okay, I was Mm -hmm. right. I was right. Yep. And I, I do have a favorite horse now from, and I think he was the winner, and I picked him to win. He was like the second or third favorite. Uh, the Kentucky Derby only less than 30 days from now. I think May 5th. Yeah, so the, yeah, this is, yeah, these are some important races that are happening this month. The countdown half begun. Going. Absolutely. So. But you'll, you'll appreciate this horse, Big Dog. First of all, beautiful, beautiful brown horse. I don't want to spend a lot of time in Kentucky yeah, Derby here. We've got won't. so much to talk about, but I'll have another. I'll have another, and it doesn't have anything to do with alcohol. It has to do with, the, uh, as a kid, I guess he, the owner, and I forget the owner's name, used to like cookies, and he would always ask Mom, I'll have another. But uh, this is my my favorite horse. He did win, I believe, the Santa Anita Derby. I'll have another. Thank you very much. Probably, a, probably a horse you could have named. Uh, yes, uh, I'll have another around the turn. I'll have another in the rear. You know, I mean, it all depends. Take it easy. Take it easy. But uh, getting back to the Masters real quick, phenomenal. Tiger Woods, of course, uh, he bottomed out early and often on that baby. I think he had a, a decent round one where he was still on the hump, but he never found his game. 40th place finish, I think, the worst he's ever finished in the Masters. Phil Mickelson made a uh, nice run at it, and it's always cool. I love the fact when they go sudden death. I don't like the three-hole playoff. But sudden death, two guys, mono versus mono, that's always good. Um, good sports theater. Yes, it is. It is. Do you like the how the U.S. Open does the whole day, next day, eighteen holes? No, I don't. Brutal. It is. Yeah, you're sitting around on Sunday, all the suspense and everything, and then they tell you, all right, this will be completed Monday at an eight hole, eighteen hole playoff. We got to yeah. work on Monday. Who can watch that? I mean, I'll tape and watch the last couple of holes, but you build up the suspense. Give me the finish right at that moment. How and, about and uh, watching two guys golf? 
for four hours is horrible. <laughs> I mean, legitimately, 95% of golf is walking. So, you know, that's, 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 not a good, that's not a good sport when it's two guys for 18 holes. The U.S. Open has to change that, Coach. Yes. So yesterday was incredible. Yep. People that hated golf were sitting on the edge of their seat. Mm-hmm. Watched that last night. So Speaking of incredible, how about what people are talking about? One of the great golf shots of all time, the double eagle on a par five. What was it, the second hole where uh, Luis, I keep wanting to call him Peter Ustaisen. Luis Ustaisen, um hit that shot, big dog. I think the fourth double eagle ever in PGA history, which if you stop and think about that, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's in, in major, in the majors. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, I mean, that was a phenomenal shot. And he, exactly what he wanted to do, roll it up right next to the hole to get it in was just, was just lucky. And, but then you have that shot and you also have the shot from, uh, uh, from Bubba Watson. Those are the two greatest shots on any day that you could probably put back to back. Cause if, if he doesn't, if Lou Dosa doesn't have that, he doesn't even have right. a shot. I mean, he doesn't even have a shot at the tournament, maybe. Who knows? So. I think he was uh, two strokes back, and within about 30 seconds, all of a sudden he was the one-shot leader because he double-eagled, and then the leader at the time, Peter Hansen, bogeyed about 20 seconds later. So in one fell swoop, he took the lead, and really he led the entire time. In fact, the guy that won a Bubba Watson never, never had the sole lead in the entire tournament until the putt dropped in and he got to wear the green jacket. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it, Imagine just writing. Can you imagine just writing that in your scorecard on a master scorecard on a Sunday? Minus three. Circle it twice. I mean, can you? No, <laughs> minus three, coach. That is just unbelievable to put in a, in a scorecard. Mm-hmm. So, and he bogeys. That's he caught up on four strokes on the leader on in thirty seconds. That in a golf tournament. And Peter Hansen was done after that, coach. He didn't even make an attempt to come back. He was like. Yep. Just it. Yeah, you're right. He he did look like a beaten man after that. He was battling, but I think he was playing with Mickelson in the last group, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, you're right, though. He looked like a, a boxer that had taken some body punches and had nothing left in the final round. Anyhow, congrats to Bubba Watson. He wins his first major. Been hanging around for a while. The ceremony afterwards, equally emotional, big dog. And we forgot to mention, I think his father passed away, right, last year. So there was that whole pent-up mm-hmm. emotion, too. It seems like... I hate to say this, but it seems like for golfers in recent years, one of the keys for success is to have your dad pass away like within the past six months. Uh, yeah, if I was a father of a golfer, you know what I mean? I would, I would have a talk with my son. Yeah, you know, like, you know. <laughs> don't, don't expect any favors, buddy, uh, to help the game turn around. Okay, yeah. I'll give you a tip. I ain't going to kill uh, myself. Listen, I, I know you want to win the big one, but please, I'm keeping my distance for the next few months. Just, just in case you get any ideas, huh? And how about, how about his quote too, which a lot of people are talking about now? Um, Jim Nance, the proverbial Jim Nance, who was in his very essence yesterday, by the way, the quintessential professional. He's getting a little bit old, but he's still the quintessential professional. Um, something about, you know, did you ever dream, Bubba, that, you know, that you'd, you know, have the baby and then the kid and then win the Masters? And I think his quote was, you know, my dreams never got that far. How cool is that? Well, and that I was not a planned line. True. That just came out. I never, I, no, I think it was, I never got that far in my dreams. Uh huh. So I thought I that was pretty cool. About. I, 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 I don't know if you truly meant it that way. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, 
the whole package, everything all together. Yep. It came out as like the perfect book, though, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. If they ever write the book on Bubba Watts, if he wins a few more tournaments and they write the book, I think we got the title of the book. At any rate, I don't think there's a player that has won the Masters that yep. does not have at least one book written about them. Yes. Who? Who is it? Well, first of all, we can go back to last year. It's probably cheating on your question a little bit. I don't think, I don't think the Charles Schwartzel book has been written yet. I will, I will bet you if Dave Olson looks up. A Charles Schwarzel book has been written. <laughs> you know, David Olson, we've asked him to look up our fine producer, a man who survived Easter with a two-year-old and a four-year-old, by the way. So be kind to producer extraordinaire David Olson. I should mention the wife working on Easter Sunday. So he really had to survive mono solo. But uh, we've given Dave a lot of assignments via the Internet, Big Dog. I don't know that I can think of a tougher one than finding a book. I'm <laughs> Charles Schwartz. First of all, you got to figure out how to spell Schwartzel. S H C Z W A R T Z L. God bless you. There's an L and it starts in a C. In the middle, I have no freaking clue. It's not a bit stupid. Oh, goodness. At any rate, a great Masters. Always fun to watch. First of the uh, four major tournaments of the season. Phenomenal. Congratulations to really good guy, Bubba Watson. And by the way, the guy he was competing against also seemed like a totally cool guy, Louis Oosthuizen, who has won a major before. He was a British Open champ a few years back, Big Dog. So he had his. I was glad to see Bubba get his also. Yeah, definitely. When it's all said and done, I'm really happy with uh, with the guy who won the Masters. That was pretty cool. Yep. Uh, let's talk some baseball real quick again. Plenty happening over a busy sports weekend. You want to talk some baseball with the big dog and the coach? 888-463-6748. The phone number, two guys and a mic off with another hope to be award-winning week of programming here on the two guys and a mic show, talkzone.com. Your 24-7 service for internet, talk, music, news, all kinds of variety here in the talkzone.com. And, uh, we spend one hour a day trying to Muddle up the airwaves a little bit. But Big Dog, speaking of first, Robin Ventura got his first victory as a White Sox manager. And yesterday, finally, with a bit of drama, Dale Swain gets his first major league victory, uh, courtesy of a hell of a pitching performance from Jeff Samarja. Uh, first, let's start off with the Cubs. Uh, your thoughts over the weekend? Uh, you know what? I was already getting sick of all the comments from people everywhere on all the social media. Uh, we suck again, all that stuff. You know what? Get you know, just... If your life is so unhappy, all you have to do is complain about your baseball team two games into a season. Act like the world's done. I mean, find some, find somebody to go help or something. That's ridiculous. But let's think of the positives. Maybe this ain't going to be a good year for the Cubs, but something good that can come out of it is Jeff Samarja could end up being the pitcher that they spent, what, $15 million on a couple years ago to become a major league starter instead of an NFL wide receiver. So excellent, excellent ball game yesterday. Catches pitches down and he threw strikes. Coach, his fastball is so good and it moves so much. I think he just just rely on that thing. Just keep on throwing that two thing fastball and he could end up being a really good major league pitcher if he can continue to do what he did yesterday. It was a good sign for the Cubs. Eight and two thirds innings and the, the line I like the best, Big Dog, and you alluded to it. Eight strikeouts, zero walks for Jeff Samarja. And we talked about it. I think you saw it at the end of last year. It, Finally started to click in, and he's simplest way to put it. He's he's figured out how to pitch major league. He always had the stuff, but now uh-huh. he's got the confidence, the moxie, and he's figured out how to do it. It's finally clicked in for Jeff Samarja. I, I really hope this continues. 
and, and let's, uh, I want everybody to consider this. You can say, oh, big deal, one game, he throw, almost throws a complete game with, with, with no walks. A lot of uh, pitchers will do that. Yeah, a lot of pitchers would. Jeff Samarja for his career averages over five walks per nine innings, which is on a, it's abysmal. It's a tr- you can't do that. Yeah, I mean, that's more than a walk every two innings. That's horrible. And two years ago, he was at 10.3 walks per nine innings. Mm-hmm. And this spring, he was incredible. His control was incredible. And that I don't know how much any of that means. Well, obviously, for Justin Margie, it meant something. So that's good to see, Coach. One uh, thing that uh, was also, well, it's good to see in the aftermath. I had to question it. And by the way, I was by sheer coincidence, I'm watching golf. Uh, had it on tape. The tape got back to live. Went to a commercial. Quickly switch over. To the Cubs game, and I almost forgot the Cubs were playing, quite frankly. And I tune on, I swear to you, at the moment I had flipped over, two outs, ninth inning, Cubs lead by a run, and I could not believe Carlos Marmol was on the hill. And the first pitch I saw throw was ball four to the first batter. And he walked the guy, and I'm thinking, you got to be no kidding. Way. We all know that it came out okay, and I guess the positive point I'm trying to make, Big Dog, is the incredible right testicular fortitude of Dale Swaim to bring Carlos Marmol in for the third consecutive good time. I thought that was a it'd be a lot easier to bring somebody else in. That was a really gutsy move to go to your closer after two blown saves early in the season. You're looking for your first victory. You think maybe give him a day off, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow, were you were you watching live? Uh, no, I did not see that because that was at, at that point. Uh, I was watching on my phone. On the, mm-hmm. I didn't even have my. The, okay. I wasn't even listening to Pat and Keith at that point. So. Four to three. The Starlin Castro error and that continues to be a concern. Throwing error on a routine ground ball set up yeah. the inning. Then there was a two run blast. They took Samarji out, one out to win the game. And keep in mind, the Cubs had the lead the previous two games, and the bullpen blew it. And he brings in Carlos Marmol. Gutsy call. Marmol, of course, never does things easy. Walks the first batter, then gets a pop up that uh, Ian Stewart made a pretty nice catch right near the dugout game over. But I thought gutsy move by Dale Swain to bring Marmol in. Yeah, uh, well, it worked out this time. You know, he's going to be wrong a bunch of times this season, let's face it. Mm-hmm. That is, he's not going to end the season with two blown saves. There's going to be a few more. Milwaukee now, Brewers coming to town, big dog. Should be a pretty uh, interesting series. At home, beautiful weather. Any chance you'll be out and about in one of those games? Uh, I will definitely be out. And about at one of these games, I have to do something for uh, America's Most Wild Deadbeats today and, and film something. Okay. Uh, but I will not be today. It'll be sometime this week. I will definitely be out uh, at the Brewers game. And uh, we get to see Ian Stewart taking on uh, Aramis Ramirez, the guy replaced. How about Ian Stewart has already made more spectacular defensive plays in three games than Aramis Ramirez did in his well. 19 pickups. To be there's, fair, there's no Aramis... Way he makes the play. Coach, Aramis Ramirez improved. Yes, he there's did. There's no way Ramirez makes the play that okay. Stewart made yesterday. Did you see the play? No. It was unbelievable. It was diving towards the bag, deep behind third base, sliding on his stomach, popped up, and got the guy. His arm is incredible. It's incredible. It's the best defensive third baseman we've had since Ken Reese. <laughs> wow. Better than Steve Bouchel? Oh, that was it. Well, Bouchel was a uh, he was Steve was he had the best hands of any Cubs third baseman since Ron Santo, mm-hmm. but he had no range. Yeah, so wonderful hands though. His feet feet weren't bad either. His feet were good. 
Yeah, well, well manicured. You ever saw him uh, come out of the shower? Is a very nice feat. I've heard that from more than a few people. But at any rate, I, I did not see that play. Saw the last catch of the game, was, which was a pretty difficult catch. But um, Aramis Ramirez, it'll be interesting to see today, and again, his first time back at Wrigley. You know, and he wasn't a clubhouse leader. He was certainly not a media guy. He never did interviews and stuff. But he came to the Cubs with kind of a bad attitude, and he really he was not a he stayed out of trouble, big dog. He was just a quiet, everyday player. He did improve defensively. So I hope he gets a decent reaction from the Cub fans on his return. Uh, Sam, I'm wondering. I would not boo him, okay? Because he, I, I will tell you this. He, when there was runners in scoring position and two outs and two strikes, that dude would shorten up his stroke, yep. make contact, and get bloop double after bloop double and drive in runs. He actually understood the importance of, hey, if there's runners out there, we can't leave them out on base. We need to drive people in. Of all the Cubs over the last 20 years, he was the best at that. Mm-hmm. Situationally reasonable. Hey, we need a fly ball. I'll look for a pitch that's high, yep. and I'll get a sacrifice fly. And he throws in 100 runs every year. So, honestly, I, I can't hate him because he did that. But so many times he would just jog to first when he hit a ground ball. You know what I mean? And, yep. and when you do that and you're getting paid, $15 million a year. Mm-hmm. People get upset about that because he makes almost $100,000 a ball game and he can't run the first base. 100000 a game. 10000 an inning, coach. More than that. $12,000 an inning that dude was making as a Cub. Mm-hmm. He couldn't run the first base. Point well taken. Point <laughs> well taken. Let us not forget also that Dale Swain, our Cub manager, is returning uh, coaching, managing against the team that he was with for the past a couple of years. He was the Milwaukee Brewers. Was he the third base coach last year or batting coach? I think it was the hitting coach. Uh, he's been all kinds of stuff with the Brewers. He was like their assistant manager, their mm-hmm. bench coach. He was uh, one time the assistant tight end coach for the Packers. <laughs> and, uh... Got Chris Volstead making his first start for the Cubbies, going up against Sean Mark. A real quick, Roddy Santo, if you could. And uh, we do this on occasion, more than on occasion here. The two guys at a mic show, we ask Ron Sano, tell us a little bit about today's pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, Mr. Sean Markham. Uh, well, uh, he's coming over from the other league a couple of years ago. Really? Patrick. Yeah, uh, he likes to work quickly. Wow. Loves, loves to work ahead in the count. Surprising. And, uh, he, yeah, and he really, really loves to pitch with a lead. <laughs> Does he like to keep the ball down in the strike zone? Yes, that's, that's, that's his objective. Amazing. His objective, yeah. Absol- absolutely amazing. All right, Cubs lose two out of three. White Sox lost two out of three. Again, talking baseball with the big dog. Not many better things to do on Sports Talk Radio. What would you rather be doing from 10 to 11 every morning than talking baseball with the big dog? 888-463-6748. If you want to talk on a more personal level, phone lines are open. Big dog, the White Sox also lost two out of three. They lose Friday, come back and win Saturday. Yesterday, not so good. They got shut out by a very good Rangers team. In fact, what they score? Six runs total, I think, in the three games. So the bat's not off to a great start for the White Sox. You know what the funny thing is, is like in the, in the first two games when they were one and one and the offense, you know, obviously three runs a game isn't great. But, you know, the Sox are just sitting there thinking like, well, Adam Dunn, Alex Rios, I mean, they're hitting the ball hard. This is a good sign. It's a good sign. So, it's. I know they haven't scored a lot yet, but that Rangers team, every single year, we you underrate their pitching because everybody seems like they're decent and not great. 
but yet they continue to get people out. So I, I know they lost a series in, in Texas, but uh, I don't know. I, I, maybe things can be turned around if Alex Rios and uh, and uh, Adam Dunn can continue mm-hmm. to hit. But I haven't watched much sock baseball. Real quick, Adam Dunn. I know his stats not great. He did hit a homer, but overall, from what I'm hearing you say, he's actually he's, he's looking better. Significantly better than he did last year? Is that a correct? I, would, I wouldn't say significantly, Coach. Okay. I definitely would not say that. That first game, he, he was hitting the ball. Every at-bat was awesome. I did not see a pitch of yesterday's game, so let's. I can't count mm-hmm. on, on the other game. The second game, I know he hit the ball hard at least twice because I did watch most of, that, uh, most of that game. One of the first things I do is I look at the White Sox box scores and I will look at strikeouts. And, uh, you know, check for Adam Dunn's name. It was like a tradition last year, part tragic, part humor. Uh, but he, I think he's only had like one strikeout a game this year, so, which isn't great, but that's an improvement over last year. Yeah, and it's, it's three games against, uh, I don't know if it's the best pitching staff in the American League. It could be, though, coach. It really, it, Texas is definitely up there. So if I was a White Sox fan, I would not be, I really do still expect the Adam Dunn rebound season. And after three mm-hmm. games in, I, I still think you're going to get it. 265 on base of 380, uh, 30 home runs and 75 RBIs. Mm-hmm. And yes, I said, if any White Sox, uh, fan expecting Adam Dunn to drive in 100, you never watch him in Cincinnati when he would continue to take walk after walk after walk. The only time he hits a home run is there's no one on base. Mm-hmm. So I'm not ripping him, but that's just the player he is. Yep. I think he can do that for the Sox. Sure All, right. Awesome. All right. Be fun to watch. The White Sox take it on Cleveland Big Dog. It is time for our first of many. One of the grand traditions here are the two guys at a mic show, and I use the word grand again in the loosest sense of the word, but it's time for our very first baseball round them up and wrap them up as we take a look at some of the uh, top series over the weekend, the very first weekend of Major League Baseball. Great to be talking baseball once again, is it not? Coach, <laughs> I've been talking baseball the last three weeks. To be honest with you. I've been on the Internet like, talking to people all over the place. Yeah, it's good. It's really good, Coach. Start it's off good. with the National League, Arizona. How about that? A sweep of the San Francisco Giants. You always got to be careful. Don't put too much stock in what happens the first, you know, 15, 20 game. We tend to over-exaggerate. But nevertheless, the Giants get swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Big dug out in the National League West. Yeah, the Diamondbacks are the best team on paper uh, going into going into the season. They started off pretty hot, Coach. Uh, and they... They've got Justin Upton has a legitimate shot at winning the, the NL MVP. Have you seen Paul Goldschmidt yet, Coach? Paul Goldschmidt. I think I have uh, to meet with Paul Goldschmidt and go over some opening of my uh, taxes from last year, but I haven't seen him pitch. No, no, no. He's their first baseman, ah. and he's six foot six. He hit a he hit a ball the other day that Paul Bunyan was embarrassed by. I mean, he legit. <laughs> this, this guy is ridiculous. He had two fifty with eight home runs last year during the month of. September. Mm-hmm. Okay, this guy can flat out hit the ball a mile. So he's a guy to look out for for rookie of the year on the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm-hmm. Any idea how Buster Posey is doing in his comeback after last year's dramatic injury? Still, still playing catcher, uh, and he has started all three games for the for the Giants so far. He, he hasn't been atrocious. I, I do know he had a, a throw to home yesterday, and there was a force at home, and he took his home. Put off a home plate, and it may have cost the Giants the ball mm-hmm. game. All right. All right, next up on the docket. I always get excited about them early in the year. It's almost become a tradition, big dog. And then they will fade away. We call it the uh, Lloyd 
Lloyd McClendon rule, but uh, you got to get excited again about the Pittsburgh Pirates early. They take two out of three over Philadelphia. Both Saturday and yesterday they went on walk-off uh, fashion. Fans going crazy. The few fans that are actually there cheering the ball club on at PNC Park. But uh, Andrew McCutcheon with a base hit walk-off winner. And they were down, what, 4-1 to one yesterday. Scored two in the seventh, two in the eighth, another in the ninth. And Pittsburgh takes two out of three for Philadelphia. Here's a silly question. Could this be the Pirates here? I, I certainly hope so, Coach. And it, uh, their everyday lineup <laughs> is is good enough to win. I mean, and when we say when you say this could be this be Pittsburgh here, you mean win the National League Central? You're not talking well, about hoist was, the banner, right? I was no, I'm definitely not. Ho- but you, know, you can hoist a lot of things with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Banner is not one of them. Well, yeah. They, well, they won one back in '79, and that may be the last one that they ever win. I'm not kidding. Yeah. They, they might be that far away. Yeah. But they're going to depend on people like Jeff Carson to win a lot of ball games for them. I don't know if that's possible, but their everyday lineup is actually pretty good. I love Andrew McCutcheon as center field coach. He's yep. that guy can play. Oh, and by the way, you know I always bash the Pirates fans for not going out to those that beautiful ballpark in the years like last year when they were good in the, up until the middle of August. But uh, they had a sellout on Saturday, coach. Nice. And I know nice. they were playing the Phillies, and they called it like the Pennsylvania showdown. There were mm-hmm. a lot of Philly fans there, and I guess there was a lot of Philly fans all three games. But they averaged over uh, thirty-three thousand. They had over a hundred thousand this weekend so, in Philadelphia. So. Get out there and root for them. I always say, I, you know me. You've heard me say it over and over again, and I kid it about the Pittsburgh Pirates, but I root for them. Those low-budget teams, the Casey Royals, the Pittsburgh uh-huh. Pirates of the Worlds. You know, I root for them, and I do it. Because I have an affinity for the underdog, but I also do it because if those teams can produce and those teams can win, Minnesota Twins did it for a bunch of years, then it will convince, help to convince owners not to spend ridiculous amount of money for some of these players, and that there's a lot of good young players out there that just need a chance. That's why I root for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, and, and I, I understand your feelings, Coach. I, I haven't always thought that way about the Pirates because I, I like to root for fan bases. Mm-hmm. The Kansas City Royals have always supported yep. the Royals. And that's I'm definitely 100% behind you when it comes to the Kansas City Royals because, I mean, they average 25000 a game, and that might not be a lot, but if you consider 25000 a game for a small market team is pretty decent and the fact that they haven't even come close to winning anything since the early 90s. 20 years was the last time they ever even – Maybe even more than that since they contended in August, Coach. The Royals are bad every single season. Every year they're below 500. And, and, and after a while, this was a team that for 15 years, the best baseball in the best baseball in the American League was played by the Orioles and was played by the Royals yep. from what about 75 to the late 80s mm-hmm. until the A's started playing the best they didn't, baseball. They didn't win any World Series, but they were a consistently good yeah, they team. Did. 1985, they there won the go. World Series. See, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. That was a bad year for me. <laughs> well, that was, a, that was a real good year for me. It was the first year I ever played baseball. I loved George Brett. I, I mean, I loved George Brett. Coach. That was like, I, I had hemorrhoids at that age, so he was an idol of mine. <laughs> We all need our heroes, Big Dog, for different reasons. Obviously, yours are a little sick and sorted, but we all need our heroes. Very touching, touching moment. Glad you relayed that yeah. to us. 
Yeah. Um, uh, real quick on the baseball round them up, wrap up, finish out in the National League. St. Louis Cardinals, brand new manager, a lot of new players. Same results. They're off to a three and one start. They take two out of three from Milwaukee. We already saw them going to uh, Miami and ruin the homecoming for Ozzie Guillen in the brand new Miami Marlins stadium. So the Cardinals, at least early big dog, haven't missed a beat. They're three and one. And Carlos uh, Beltran, by the way, hitting the hell out of the ball. Yeah, yeah, that is just, that guy's crazy, coach. Four years ago, he was done, and now the last two years, he's uh, a top fifteen outfielder in uh, in baseball again. That's Who, was he? Know. He was a New York Met last year, right? Yeah, and uh, and then he was traded to the Giants, and I mean, he, he produced, and then and now he's a Cardinal, and he's hitting again. I mean, this is. It's crazy, coach. That guy is that he's a really solid ball player for for many many years. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're three and one, and and I'm starting to believe they got Adam Wainwright back. They didn't even have yep. Adam Wainwright last year. So yep. in some weird way, yeah, they lose Pujols, but now you have a whole team that are like, hey, we weren't just Albert. Let's go win. Let's go win some ball games. Mm-hmm. If you don't think that that type of attitude doesn't work, ask the the Bulls team that is a fall away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals in 94 without Michael Jordan. Yep. And now they have Adam Wainwright added to that team, Coach. Good point. Good point. Chris Carpenter, though, he is uh, out right now, right? Yeah, but the National League Central is so mediocre, no team could possibly run away with it. So if the Cardinals could just stay afloat when Chris Carpenter comes back at, at the beginning of June of a fresh arm all year. I mean, it's and Chris Carpenter always gets hurt. He always mm-hmm. misses part of the season. Yep. And then next thing you know, in August, you look at him and he's like, wow, he's 10-2 and two and his ERA is 2.4. And you know what I mean? It's like, how did this happen? The guy's the best pitcher, the hottest pitcher in the league right now is mm-hmm. in St. Louis, but he only has 10 wins on the season. It happens like every year Chris Carpenter does that. Yep. Like the, he's like, I'm taking off April and May, Tony, or not, I guess it's not Tony, but Mike Matheny, my arm hurts, we won a World Series last year. Is that cool? Yeah, no problem. I'll be ready in August. Don't worry. That's what he does every year, right? Well, he does indeed. That has been the uh, history. But the Cardinals, I think, will be one of the interesting teams to watch early on. And again, a brand-new manager, a guy who I don't think has ever in his life managed a game of baseball. Mike Matheny, a catcher. But I don't think at any level. He didn't go to the minor league route, did he? No, no, he's never. This is his first. they, They keep saying his first professional managerial job. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he manages Little League, his son's Little League, for a year or two. Which, trust me, when you're you're in charge, it's totally different. Yes. When you're the one in charge as opposed to the second in charge, which I don't care what level it is, Mm -hmm. okay? There's a difference. So in a sense... you got to line card in every day, the pressure's on you. I've had had more experience, 11 hard years. Actually, two of them weren't that bad, the other nine brutal. 11 hard years of Little League baseball coaching, Big Doe, as the head guy, as the manager. Uh-huh. Same thing in soccer, although of those 11 years, one, I was the assistant coach slash team mom because we already had a head coach. But, you know, that that's a whole other story. But so in a sense, I've had more experience than uh, Mike Matheny. How does, he, how, how does he get the job over me? Shocking. I, and you know the Cubs better than Dale Swain did. You, you yeah. watch him at least like two or three innings every week. I could, talk more, I could talk more Cub history than Dale Swain, no question about it. Oh, God, that's, uh, the Cubs really messed out. We we needed your leadership. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the missing link right there. <laughs> so, and, oh. and by the way, if we, now that we're talking managers and you're talking the biggest stories of the year so far going in, 
Well, we all thought, oh, one of the biggest stories of the year is what's going to happen down in Miami because, like, they spent all this money, they built the stadium, they hired Isaac Gian. Guess what has happened three games into the Florida Marlins season, Coach? Could you could you take a guess? No. What are they, 0-4? Uh, a local Cuban group. I, I think they've won a game. Maybe not. I don't know. Uh, a local Cuban group has already – are already asking all Cubans to boycott Miami Marlin games and not go. Why? And asking all Latin people to not go. Why? Because Isaacian has said something. He oh, yes, I did hear this, yes. He said, I love Fidel Castro. Yep. So uh, yep. Cubans don't like to hear that, especially yep. the ones that have fled that communist pick. Oh, David so, Olsen, it did not take Ozzie Guillen long, did it, to become a controversial figure? I knew he was going to do something like that, <laughs> but not that quick. Yeah, so, yeah, no, yeah I, I, I figured I figured he'd make it to like June or July before something <laughs> like this happened. Yeah, yeah, I figured he'd be a pain in everybody's butt, but the, uh, the blowtorch, I agree. You know he was going to inflame something, but the blowtorch happened four days in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, that's. I mean, a point out. I mean, the only reason that I tweeted this this morning. The only reason they that uh, Lurie brought us him in was he even said it. We want to attract the Latin fans to South Florida. There's a lot of Latin people down here. We're making the ballpark for the Latin community. Everything. He said, "This is how we're doing it." And we're bringing in a Latin manager for the Latin community. We're going to do our press conferences in Spanish. You know what? Might as well try it. Nothing else is working down in Miami. I love the idea. In four games, then he's got the Cuban community boycotting. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you call the early stages of the plan going slightly astray. Going to have to write the ship a little bit four games into it. Hey, real quick in the American League, unbelievable game yesterday. I did not see it. Call a little bit of the highlights, but are you kidding me? Detroit 13, Boston 12. The Tigers... Uh, they swept the series, didn't they, from the Red Sox? Uh, I think yes. they did. And the the but, Yankees and the Red Sox, which have spent, yes. uh, what, what is it, $9 trillion on this year's <laughs> budget for both of those. If you combine them, Coach, not individually, but yeah. together. Uh, they're 0-6 on the season. Yep. The Tigers thoroughly destroyed the Red Sox pitching staff. The, you know, the, maybe the Red Sox should go back to drinking beer and eating chicken because at least it worked for 90% of last season oh. because yeah, the last three games. Yeah. Now, Coach, there is a legitimate chance that Brance, Prince Fielder and Miguel Caprera could possibly be each one of them the top two run producers in the game of baseball right mm-hmm. now. Guys that can just drive and runs, and they're in the same lineup. And guys like Brennan Bosch, who can't hit a curveball but kills fastballs, he's sitting right in front of the two of them. You can't throw him a curveball. The guy's got a good eye now. So Austin Jackson is hitting 556 so far this season. There's two guys in front of them. The Tigers could end up having one of the great offenses of all time. And if Victor Martinez did not get hurt going into this year, he would have been the fifth hitter in all of this. Instead, the fifth hitter is Delman Young, a number one overall pick from a couple years ago, and he has been raking early on this year. Maglio Ordonia is still part of the franchise, or is he gone? Well, I, I, he's still getting paid $15 million a year, but the Tigers eventually were saying, 
it's not that we don't like you around the clubhouse anymore, but your knees are so loud that we can't hear ourselves think we can walk around. So I do. So I, I don't think he's on the Tigers roster this uh-huh. year, coach. But, but the game yesterday it was was amazing. You look at the box score. You know, two, three, one, two, three, two. Unbelievable game. But it came down to the ninth inning, and the Red Sox, who have no bullpen right now, they had a three-run lead. McGuire Cabrera three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth, and then. To tie it up, so dramatic home run then, and then the Red Sox score two in the top of the 11th, and they bring out another quote unquote closer, and Alex Avila, I believe, hits yeah. a three run homer for the Detroit Tigers in the bottom of the 11th. You get two blown saves in one game, an absolutely amazing game. I'm not going to call it devastating, but uh, wow, what a defeat for the Red Sox and the Tigers. Two huge home runs. That's the kind of stuff, Big Dog, that can. Not that the Tigers needed a whole lot of kickstart, but that, that's the kind of stuff that can get you on quite a roll. Yeah, you, you know what? You, you can't you can't win the division and all that stuff in April. You can lose in April. All those stupid quotes. But and, and like you said earlier, when you were talking about the, the Diamondbacks over the Giants, you know, don't read too much into it. You know, but there is there is something to be said about how you start the season. You could really get yourself cranked up, and like the Diamondbacks could continue to go on a roll, and if the Giants don't get themselves off the mat soon, like the Giants, Yankees, and Red Sox, all of mm-hmm. a sudden they could go into panic mode if they don't, don't do something soon. Yep. But just the same way the Tigers, you know, they've been predicted to be the best team in the American League Central, blah, blah, blah. They really could ride this out if they if they wanted to, Coach. Mm-hmm. You know, they can end up having one of those years where they're like, going to lock up American a, League best record, period. That's what we're going to yeah, do. I was going to ask you, what's the a, what's a top level? I mean, could they go 110 wins? Think about this, Coach. They play the Royals, the Twins, the Indians, and the White Sox. I think you just answered my question. 72 times. Wow. I said, remember, I said that. I, I, I predicted. I'm not saying that, like, oh, like, get all. I don't think I was that smart, but that's why I predicted the Tigers are going to have the best record in the American League. And it doesn't mean that they're the best team because the Rangers or the Angels could be the best team or the the Tampa Bay Rays or the Yankees. The Yankees can't be coached. They have no. They have CC Sabathia and a bunch of guys that are extremely overpaid pitching in their starting staff, or are never going to be any good. Yeah. So, right. real quick, let me let me let me finish it up here. And again, we'll do baseball round them up, wrap them up on a semi regular basis here. One of the great traditions uh, of the two guys in a mic show, at least one of the uh, semi mediocre traditions of the two guys in a mic show as we go along the baseball season. Certainly plenty of highlights this past weekend. Uh, real quick, big dog, got to get to the Bulls game. They lose to the New York Knicks in dramatic fashion. Carmelo Anthony, 43 points, two unbelievable shots, two comments I got to get in before the show's over. One, and I've said it many times before, as great as Derrick Rose is, I hate when they play for last second shots and four guys stay on their own. And Derrick Rose tries to create more often than not. It does not turn into a game winner. I really think that's something they need to change. And number two, first game back after 12 games off, and the Bulls are winning. They still got the best record in basketball. Not like they fell apart when Derrick Rose went out. And he shoots the ball 26 times. And I said the same thing in a much more exclamation mark uh, point when Michael Jordan came back after taking a year off. Remember that whole big thing with the Indiana Pacers? It was huge. You know, it was a national TV game. You know, and he'd been off for a year, and the Bulls have been pretty successful. You come back, 
you ease your way into it. And Michael, you know, jacked up like the first 10 shots of the game. He shot 30 shots that game, and I criticized him. No, Same no, thing about Derrick Rowe. What the hell are you doing Michael shooting the Jordan, ball? Michael Jordan was 7 of 21 for that ball game. Too many shots, and especially early. Right off the bat, he starts shooting the ball. Derrick Rose should not be shooting the ball 26 times in his first game back. Support your teammates. Get them involved. It's not all about you, especially considering they've been winning without you. I'm tired of Derrick Rose. Trade him. Uh, I'm not. You're tired of Derrick Rose, though. (laughs) I got a little carried away. Okay, yeah. Uh, You know what? Watching the game, I thought that the Knicks were truly trying, like, giving him shots and in the almost like shots that he had to take. I don't think he forced shots until the end, and then he was forcing them. It was – I'm not going to jump on him this but would, would you agree with me and jump on Tom Thibodeau here? The stop last-second shots where everybody stands around and it's up to Derek to, to score. Especially when they're losing. Now, the Thibodeau yep. is, is a good coach. I, we don't totally agree with this, but if the game was tied and you just want to make sure that the Bulls are the only one who have a shot left, I don't have as much a problem with that strategy, but I am going to completely agree. When you're down one, you have got to get a bucket, and the Bulls' best chance to get in a bucket is when they look like a freaking merry-go-round. And Luol Deng is coming off the screens, and Carlos Boozer's flashing to the top of the key. Then then all of a sudden everybody's panicking. And Mm -hmm. you know what? Then Derrick Rose could run right to the hole and dribble. But that's not what they do now. No, they don't. Yep. I, I completely agree. People need to move. Without the basketball. Yeah, well, that's that's all on Thibodeau. That's the coaching staff. That's the play they they want set up. So, see if we can change that. At any rate, Big Doe, we got to wrap up our uh, post Easter, post Passover weekend show. We'll be with you all week this week, talking some baseball and more great stuff. And uh, Big Dog, you need to get on the extra cycle or some kind of cardio after the one pound of ham, the jelly beans, and Mama's cheesecake. So make sure you get a workout today, okay? Don't forget the Coronas and the Jack Daniels, Coach. Oof. Which came first, the cheesecake or the Corona? Age-old well, I, I question. I can't remember. I can't really remember. <laughs> Beautiful. Baruch, Baruch Atoranoi Alahenu, Big Dog. Thank you. I, I'm glad it's gone. <laughs> All right. If any of the females out there want to find you today, where uh, are you out? Waterriders.com, or are you, are you hunkering down today? Yeah, uh, Coach, I do want to hunker down, to be quite honest with you, but uh, I'm going to be in Millennium Park filming some stuff for America's Most Wild. Ah, so anybody that wants to see the big dog, he's right out there for you. And, uh, last okay. time I checked, the Millennium Park is a public place. Uh, it is, but we are going to request silence for a couple seconds. I think we can handle that. Remember to hunker down only in the privacy of your own home. Big dog, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you, everybody out there, for listening. David Olson, our producer, great job, as always. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 for the TalkZone.com. Two guys at a mic. We're signing off.